On today's episode of the Hanford Insider we'll get an update from last Tuesday's city council meeting, get some event updates, and hear from Julie Kelly about the current status of the soup kitchen. This is the Hanford Insider for Monday, August 7. Welcome to this episode of the Hanford Insider. I'm your host, Rob Bentley. I'd like to thank everybody for your support of the show. Our first episode last week had over 200 downloads. There are a lot of different ways you can listen to the podcast. Most of you are probably coming here directly from the website. If you're into other podcasts, you're likely listening through a player like Apple Podcast or something like that. The show is available on other services such as YouTube, Amazon, Spotify, Google, and most popular podcast applications. You can also subscribe to my email list. I'll send out a direct link to the show via email for those who request it. Send an email to hanfordinsider at gmail.com to let me know you'd like to be on the list. There's no cost. It's absolutely free. The weather this week looks to be bright and sunny with highs in the upper 90s to low 100s. On Thursday night, we'll be celebrating Hanford's 132nd birthday. Join Main Street Hanford for some free birthday cake. On stage will be the Sinners playing R&B and rock cover tunes. At last week's Hanford City Council meeting, the council had several topics I'll highlight. In the study session, they took quite a bit of time reviewing city council policies and meeting guidelines. During the regular meeting, the council accepted a CHP grant to purchase an electronic message board, speed display trailer, and increase Hanford Police Department's ability to conduct saturation patrols and DUI checkpoints. One of the more interesting items that was approved was a contract to replace the play structure at Earl F. Johnson Park and relocate it closer to Brown Street. Over the next three years, the city is planning to upgrade several portions of this often overlooked park. At this week's planning commission meeting, they will be looking at rezoning a request for the vacant land on the north side of 198 from 11th to 12th Avenue for a master plan medical and mixed-use development, including the future construction of 15 buildings consisting of medical outpatient clinic services, a hotel and conference center, specialized education, retail, medical office, skilled nursing, and assisted living, and multifamily residential uses. Well, I'm pleased to welcome our first guest to the show. Julie Kelly is the pastor at the Episcopal Church of the Savior in Hanford, and I've asked her to come on the show to tell us about the needs that they have for the soup kitchen. I'm sure many of you have read about the struggles that they're having, and uh, I thought it would be a great idea to have Julie on the show. Welcome to the show, Julie. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Hey, Julie, we've read a lot uh, online and in the newspaper about and, and television about uh, some of the hardships that the soup kitchen is facing. Can you tell us a little bit about the ministry and how we can help? Yeah, thanks for asking. Well, we've had the soup kitchen open for almost 37 years in uh, our church, and it has always been a community project. We have always relied on other churches and volunteers from within the community to donate food and their time in order to make things happen. While the church happily was the host to the majority of the financial aspects of it. That said, we continue to need volunteers and we continue to need food donations, but the church is no longer in a position to financially support this ministry. 
at the level that it's at. It's a $220,000 bare bones budget to run just the soup kitchen. And our little tiny congregation of maybe 35 on a Sunday is just not big enough to manage that and the expense of having a church, which with historic buildings, as you and I both know, uh, that just continues to add up through the years. So what we're looking for right now is financial commitment from the community. We're not only looking for one-time gifts, which we're very grateful for because they're going to get us through this uh, shortfall right now. But more importantly, we're looking for long-term commitments from folks, whether it's I'll give $10, $20, $50 a month, or I will commit to sponsoring the soup kitchen for a day, or I'll broker an agreement with my work, my school, my group to sponsor a day, um, even if it's just one day a year. If we can get enough groups together, we can have the expense of the overhead of the soup kitchen covered. And that's what it boils down to is we appreciate all the volunteers and the food donations, but those don't pay to keep the electric bill on, the fire insurance uh, paid, and, um, and, and keep the kitchen running. What is the projected one-day sponsorship? Our projected one-day sponsorship is $300. And if someone wants to contribute uh, to the needs of the soup kitchen, like you said, it's not only the volunteering, which is great, but you also need the funds, of course. Is there a website or something that people can go to to help? The website is www.ecsavior, with a U in it, dot org. So it's E-C-S-A-V-I-O-U-R dot org. Well, thank you, Julie, for coming on the show. I will put that link in our show notes. For those of you listening online, you can go ahead and go into the website show notes, and I will have the direct link to that way that you can donate to the Episcopal Church Outreach, which is the Soup Kitchen. Thank you, Julie. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Coming up on Saturday is the Helping Hands Volunteer Program at Hidden Valley Park from 8 to 12. Help is needed cleaning up the park. This Saturday night, the Carnegie Museum of Kings County presents the Portuguese Beyond Borders Institute from Fresno State on the history of Festias in the Central Valley. You can get your tickets at the door or online at carnegiemuseumofkingscounty.org. The local high schools and middle schools will be holding walkthroughs this week. Check with your school website or social media for dates and times. The Hanford High School graduating class of 1963 is having its 60th class reunion on September 23rd at the King's Country Club. Contact Dale Drew at dale underscore drew at mac.com for tickets. Coming up this month is the King's Players production of Four Weddings and an Elvis. You can go to their website at kingsplayers.org for more information. The King's Art Center is holding sign-ups for fall classes for children and adults. Go to kingsartcenter.org for more information. The Kings River Hard Rock Parent Club is looking for vendors for their annual Calico Arts Festival on Sunday, October 15th. For an application, contact krhcalicoartisans at gmail.com. Coming up on Saturday, August 19th, the Children's Storybook Garden will be hosting Mysteries of the Garden, where families can learn about plants, bugs, and more. You can stop by their website at childrenstorybookgarden.org. The Hanford Parks and Community Services Department has many activities as well this month. Check out their Facebook page for a complete listing. I'll be grabbing more events off social media as I see them. If you're a part of an organization that needs help getting the word out to the community, let's work together.
It's time for Hanford Insider Sports. In sports news, Hanford High School football has announced their 2023 inductees into the Hall of Fame. Congratulations to Fred Leathers, Coach Josh Young, and Daniel Dominguez-Price. Receiving the Walt Parker Award is Joe Maciel. All three of these outstanding gentlemen were honored on Saturday night in a ceremony at the Fraternal Hall. Ryan and Eric Diaz, both Hanford High graduates, are now coaching the Bullpup Water Polo Program. Eric couldn't make it today, but Ryan's here. Ryan, welcome to the show, and can you tell me a little bit about the program and what you guys are looking forward to this year? Yeah, so me and Eric are, are really excited about taking over the program, um, kind of bringing it back to its its former glory to selfishly to what me and Eric were used to when we played, um, teaching the kids the the game itself and having a deeper understanding of it and bringing the love of the sport and the game back to the Central Valley. We know there's a lot of athletes and a lot of talent in this town, and we want to make sure that Hanford High is recognized as a water polo school again, and that our boys and, and the girls, we took over both, are proud to be Hanford Bullpup water polo players, and they're going to be coming back and kind of giving back similar to what me and Eric are doing now, um, you know, down the road. So we're excited to take them over, um, build the program back up because after COVID numbers took a hit. So ideally we can get a JV program going either this year or next year. It'll probably be next year. The goal is to to really get the numbers back into the program and again, share that, that love for the sport. And you've got that great new uh, swimming complex there at Hanford High. Can you tell me how that they configure that for water polo? Uh, so we're still going east west, unfortunately, but um, we just put the lane lines in. Uh, it's an actual regulation size pool now, so we we don't actually have to play in a shallow end, which is really nice. So we can we can host playoff games once we make playoffs and we become you know a heavy hitter. We'll be able to host our playoff games inside of our own home pool instead of having to go and travel to other pools like we used to in that old pool you know it's really nice we have a new aquatics a new scoreboard and everything else so everything is is brand new and we're really excited to start putting those touches back we're bringing back the pop rinse on the on the pool deck so that way we can celebrate our seniors and those that really contribute to the program and making sure that you know it's all seen and everyone's getting the the recognition that they deserve that's great. So if you have a high school student who's interested in uh, joining the water polo program, how can they get a hold of you? There's a Hanford High water polo Instagram account that they can reach out to. They can give me a, give me a shout. They can look me up on, on Facebook, talk to any of the parents or kids that are in the program. Uh, I feel like most everybody knows Nancy Silva at this point. And so you can reach out to Nancy and she'll put you in contact with me as well. But realistically, just come to come to the pool. If it's between now and before school starts, we're practicing from 10 to 12 in the morning and then 6 to 8 at night. Come by. You don't have to have any previous water polo experience. We're going to teach you the game. That's why we're here. And we'll teach you how to tread water and, and everything else. So if you just want to learn the sport, come out. We'll t- we take anyone and everyone. And, you know, we got a good group of, of kids that, are excited to share their their love and passion for the sport with anybody that wants to take that jump. Well, that's great. Uh, congratulations on uh, to you and your brother on your positions there at Hanford High School, and I hope you guys have a wonderful season. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Have a good one. This week, we're celebrating the incorporation of the city of Hanford, and if you'll bear with me for just a moment, I'd like to share some history with you. 
1877, when the Southern Pacific Railway laid lines from Goshen to Kalinga, their path crossed through a Chinese sheepherder's simple camp. This camp was the beginning of the city of Hanford. The settlement was named for James Madison Hanford, auditor of the railroad, who also took a lively interest in the sale of town lots. The sale of lots began on January 17, 1877. Within a short time, the settlement grew to a town, and with the powerful backing of the railway interest, Hanford became the trading center of the area. Through the early years, a series of devastating fires hampered the growth of the town. On the evening of July 12, 1887, a fire destroyed most of the downtown business district. The fire spurred on talk of incorporation, but the idea of additional taxes prevented any action. Then, on the morning of June 19, 1891, another devastating fire raged uncontrolled for hours in the downtown district. This blaze proved to be the last straw for the early civic leaders. In response to the fire, on June 20, 1891, a town meeting was held to discuss incorporation. The demand for incorporation was a direct outgrowth of the inadequate fire protection. On July 19, 1891, a group of businessmen and civic leaders petitioned the Tulare County Board of Supervisors. Hanford was in Tulare County at that time. So they did that for an election to determine whether or not the town should incorporate. The petition was granted and the election was held on August 8, 1891. The measure passed and four days later the handwritten articles of incorporation were filed with the Secretary of State and thus August 12, 1891 marks the birth date of the city of Hanford. Join us this Thursday night at the Marketplace in front of the courthouse to commemorate this special event. Help me get the word out about the show by liking and sharing on social media or telling a friend. For more information about the show, you can find this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Threads, and YouTube at Hanford Insider. If you have a show idea, be sure to email me at HanfordInsider at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.